right? So with the baby coming, in fact, prayer's their way. This baby is coming in Jesus' name today. That's what we're praying for. Uh, he said, I, I just don't want you to get out of practice. But I, this is an exciting story, right? David and Goliath. How many times have we heard this story? You buy any children's Bible, and it's, it's definitely in there, right? Uh, it's, David and Goliath is in, 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 in culture. David and Goliath is in movies. We've heard of this story. But one thing caught my attention, though, is that there's a lot of details leading up to the story that we often overlook. And so I want to kind of focus on that. And as I was preparing this week, I thought, this is a story that I've known since a, being a kid. And when you kind of read it, you're like, yeah, you know, I, I know about that. And, and I was praying through it this week, and the Lord brought to remembrance something. You know, thinking about hearing this story as a kid, I remember going to my grandmother's house as a kid. Do you have fond memories of your grandparents' house? This house is long gone. It's somebody else owns it. Both my grandparents have passed away. But I remember going, and it was like the perfect place for a young boy. You know, it's a farm. They had like 150 acres, and I think they had another 700 that they leased. And so I would hunt deer and squirrels, and I remember shooting my first squirrel there and my first deer there. And I remember going through every creek and every, you know, catching grasshoppers and catching crickets and going fishing and all this kind of stuff. And as I was thinking about this story that I've known since a child, it made me start reminiscing of things that I remember as a child. But you know, there are details to my grandmother's house other than fishing and all of that. First of all, it's in Alma, Georgia. You know where that is? If you say you do, you're lying. Because even people from Alma, Georgia don't know they're from Alma, Georgia. It is in the middle of nowhere, Georgia. South Georgia is basically Florida. But you know, it was the way that she sifted the flour when she made buttermilk biscuits. It's the way that she set the table when you'd get there that she had like she was feeding an army and it was just you. It was the hug she gave you when you got there. It was the way that she had been anticipating you coming and she knew that you loved oatmeal cream pies and Cheetos and she filled her cabinets with those things. There was just something about grandma's house that you just, if you had a bad day or a bad week or a bad year, you just needed to get to grandma's house so she could love on you. Well, as I was thinking about this series that we're in, these epic stories of the Old Testament, there's something of value here beyond just the story. There's something just like grandma's house that we can, that, that's comforting. There's something that's going to teach us. You know, I think of all of the, who I am today, my, my grandmother has imprinted herself. I think she would be so proud of me today. Well, that same feeling, as we're going to talk about David and Goliath, I, I, I want you to join me as we talk about a story that we've known since we've been children. Because there's some details here that are much more than what we just read. In fact, Sharon read the biggest detail, right? Some five-foot-nothing guy goes up against a six-foot-nine guy, or, or maybe nine-foot-six, depending on where you get your information. And he kills him. But there's so many more details leading up to that story, and that's where I want to focus today. Because I believe there's so much of value that we can take from this today, and it's going to speak to us. You ready? All right. Well, let's take a look. First Samuel, and, and I really want you to take a look. Let's, let's flip back a chapter to chapter 16, because here's the, the, the point that I 
my first point that I want to make this morning is David never forgets the promise of God. He never forgets that a promise has been made to him and the circumstances are going to get crazy leading up to that final moment. But David never forgets. Will you read with me verse 11 and 13 of chapter 16? It says this. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all of your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. We know this part of the story. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him for we will not sit down until he comes. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. I think he said, he looked like Pastor Alec. (laughs) And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. All right, guys, this is a whole chapter before we get to 17. What is he anointing him to be? He's going to anoint him to be king over all of Israel. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, So his dad's there, the prophet over all of Israel. And we know Samuel was respected because they were afraid in Bethlehem when this guy showed up. And this guy, Samuel, the the prophet of the Lord is going to anoint David right here in front of his whole family. He is going to be anointed king over Israel. This is a spiritual moment, a spiritual marker. Shouldn't that change everything? And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. So we see God is with him from this day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. But you know, it doesn't take very long. If we go now to 17 and we go to verse 17, we see that David is still obedient to his dad. I want you to pause for just a second. I'm just thinking about my parents. If I've been anointed king over Israel and my dad says, hey, Chris, it's time to take out the trash. (laughs) I got people for that, dad. I ain't taking out nothing. In fact, why don't you take out the trash? I've been longing to tell him to take out the trash. But in verse 17, David is still working for his father and being obedient. He's taking grain and bread to his brothers, and then he even takes 10 cheeses to his brother's commander. And I thought to myself, 10 cheeses? Well, don't, let's not get bogged down in the weeds. But look, even, even being anointed king over Israel, you know what he does? He's still obedient to his dad. He's still doing the things that he's supposed to do. He's still shepherding the sheep. His brother Eliab in verse 27 says, why have you come down here? You have just come down here to watch the battle. So his his brother's gonna uh, give him a hard time. But this is the same brother who's already watched his brother be anointed king. And his brother's giving him a hard time. Saul says, just after this, Saul says, you are not able to go against this Philistine. You are only a youth. You see, so people have forgotten. He, people are, are, are saying that you, you, you can't do this, right? And yet David doesn't forget the promise of the Lord at any point in this story. Some of us need to recognize that we have promises that God has given us. And we're going we're gonna to read some of these in a little bit. But look, this promise from the Lord, it should shape how we approach things. This promise of of what God has done for us, in us, and through us should should now change our circumstance. Our circumstance should not change our faith. That'll preach, won't it, James? It's pretty good. You know, sometimes we forget that we've got promises. You know, as I was getting ready for today, I was thinking about my wife. You know, she's always wanted to be a mom. Always wanted to be a mom. And, and she's tried everything to have a baby naturally. 
She tried medicines. She tried, she said, growing up in a Hispanic household, her mom would get teas ready for her and she'd get people, you know, to come and massage her in certain ways so she could have a baby. She's done shots. You know, some of you know this battle, but B always held on to the promise that she, she, she felt like God had spoken to her heart that she was going to be a mom. She didn't know that when she married me, she was going to get three possibly disobedient at time children. And neither one of us understood that David was going to come into our lives. In fact, it was in this lobby right here. His great aunt said, hey, I can't, I can't afford to have him, and I physically am not healthy enough to take him. Would you take David? And he has been such a blessing to our lives. That little knucklehead. But I loved what B said, because we were talking about this last night, because I always, whenever I mention something like this, I want to get her permission, and she said, God gave me children his way. But I'll tell you this, B has held on to this promise. No matter when the results came, that it was whatever the shot that she took just didn't take, or, or, or when the doctor said, we see everything is working the way it's supposed to, we don't understand why. In those moments, be held on to the promise. And that's what we see David is. David has been promised something. And, and none of the circumstances that are going to change leading up to him standing before the giant, he never forgets the promise. The second thing is, is in the face of fear, in the face of fear, David responds in faith. In chapter 17, verse 4, we see that Goliath is a champion. A champion. You know, this guy in the Hebrew here, it would say nine feet tall. But if you take a look at the Septuagint or the Dead Sea Scrolls, it's more like six foot. And, and I want to say the Septuagint is like six foot six. This is what Goliath looked like. <laughs> but we have to understand, too, that uh, he's probably much bigger. Uh, he probably worked out a little bit. But David probably was five foot nothing. And then it made me think of when, you know, B and I take pictures together. I would have her come up here, but then I'd probably be riding home by myself. But that gives you kind of a, a, a display of this guy would have stood shoulders above everybody else. That's what we at least need to take from this is this guy's massive. And he has been, some of the details that we get here, he has been a soldier since his youth. He is vicious and he has all the confidence in the world that whoever Israel puts up here, he's going to take them out. The coat of mail that he's wearing alone is 150 pounds. His weapons would have been 30 pounds plus. You know, I could not imagine. I go sometimes to the gym and, you know, you grab those 45-pound weights and you just do these things. That's, his, that's all I can do. Right? Like those little shoulder shrugs. Well, I can't imagine his helmet would have been 30 pounds. So he's wearing a bronze bucket that weighs 30 pounds. He's wearing, his, his, his weapons are another 30 pounds, and he's got 150 pounds of mail on. That's like four or five 45-pound plates. And this guy's ready to do battle. Can you get the idea of how strong this guy must have been? how vicious he must have been, and what kind of training it would have taken to yield this kind of weaponry. And here he is standing and shouting 
at the army of Israel. And I'm just guessing, you know, the Bible doesn't say, I'm just guessing his shouting was probably not G-rated. Probably not even PG. Not even PG-13. And we get to verse 11 of chapter 17. It says, when Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and very fearful. So we see Saul and all of the army of Israel in verse 11. They are dismayed and very fearful. Verse 24, when all the men of Israel saw the man. So they're looking at this massive hunk of man. They fled from him and they were very fearful. So this gives us an indication of what's going on in in the army of Israel. They are terrified of, of Goliath. But we get to verse 32. And the Bible tells us, though, that this is going on for 40 days. Every day he's going to march out there and he's cursing at him and shouting at him and saying, is there anybody here that could face me? But verse 32, David says, let no man's heart fail because of him. I will go fight with this Philistine. What? Of, of the whole army of Israel, what is it about David What is it about David that gives him the confidence or the faith to step out there and face this guy? I mean, surely his brothers are running. Saul, the king, is running. And Saul, we already know, he stands a head taller than everybody else. The Bible tells us he's a pretty big dude. So a good question is, Saul, why don't you go fight him? But the only person that we see has any kind of faith is David. He says, I don't want you guys to worry about it. I'll go fight him. Does anybody think this is a good idea? I mean, set aside that you know how this story ends. He was the runt of the litter. He's not even invited to the battle. He's supposed to deliver Jesus. And he says, you know what, I got an idea. Let me face him. And I don't don't understand what kind of faith he must have had except for my God is bigger and badder and, 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 and he will take care, the fight is his, not mine. David had a faith that didn't make sense. That's what I see here. But you know what? He'd already had a promise. God had already spoken to his heart. And here this guy is defying God. And David said, I'm not going to stand up for that. God will fight for us. You know, one night a house fire caught a house up, enraged it with fire, and a young boy was forced to flee to the roof. The father stood on the ground and he outstretched his arms and he called to his son. He said, jump, I'll catch you. And the the boy knew, the dad knew that unless he jumped, he was going to die because the flames were going higher. The smoke was terribly bad and and there was just not enough time to to construct a ladder or get anything. This, This boy had to jump, but he was terribly afraid as you could imagine. His father kept yelling, jump, I'll catch you. But the boy protested. He said, dad, I can't see you. And the dad responded, I can see you and that's all that matters. See, I feel like that's who our God is. Even when we're surrounded by flames, when we're surrounded by stuff that's, that's overwhelming us and surely we will perish, God's there to catch us. He can see us and he has spoken and this is what David understood. When everybody else responded in fear, David responded in faith. Another detail that I see is that David didn't try to be somebody else. You know, I, I, I like to think that 
every now and then I can open up God's word and say, this is what God's saying. But I want you to know my first step in ministry is I was actually trying to be a worship leader. Uh, we were actually joking backstage about how easy it is to get off key and, you know, you, you, you try to lead songs, but then you got that person in row seven that's off key and they throw you off and, um, and then, you know, you forget words. I, I, if, if I didn't have the words in front of me as a worship leader, I would completely, my worst fear was that somebody would like, woo, like do something and then the words would fly away and we'd just hum the rest of the song, I guess. But I learned early on, look, God has not called you to be a worship leader. But there was a period of my life where I tried to be a worship leader. In fact, not too long ago, Pastor Esteban was listening to me play guitar, and he just walked past, and he goes, (laughs) you know, David did not try to be somebody else. Verse 38 of chapter 17, then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. He said, hey, look, Goliath has got this on. Why don't you go ahead and put this on? You need to go out there. All right, you can fight him. Remember, we said this probably isn't a great idea, but Saul says, well, if I'm not fighting him, this kid wants to go and die. Let's do it. He said, you can fight him, but you need to look the part of a soldier. But there's an important detail we need to understand. If we were going to go back to chapter 16, verse 18, when, when David comes into the service of Saul, a a young man says, hey, there's this guy who's skillful in playing. He's a man of valor and he's a man of war. And he's talking about David. And so it's interesting, it's though he's not a soldier, we, we need to understand he's not an untrained kid either. He's a shepherd. And for us to rightly understand this is he's defended his sheep against lions and bears. And, and I know we think of a slingshot like, like as a child's toy, but this thing is deadly as we're about to see. David has had a different kind of training, and he is a man of war. He, he's a fighter. He knows what to do to handle himself. He's just not in the traditional sense going to walk out with the, the helmet, the, the mail, and the greaves, those you know, ancient shin guards uh, that they wore. He, he, he just can't do it, and, and we see... To, to, to face Goliath wearing somebody else's armor is going to be problematic. In verse 39, he says, He tried to go in vain, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. David becomes aware, look, you're trying to make me something that I'm not. I can't do this like this. And I love that. He is not going to be somebody he's not. And this immediately made me think of Tim Tebow. I'm not going to lie to you. I might be exchanging some Houston Texans jerseys for some Jacksonville Jaguar jerseys. I may be. But you know what's interesting about Tim Tebow? You know, he was not supposed to live. He's a miracle baby. This miracle baby, his parents were uh, missionaries in the Philippines. Actually, I'm probably telling y'all something. Y'all know way more than I do. We got missionaries in the house from the Philippines. But his mom contracted a disease and the doctors told her, hey, listen, you need to abort this baby because the medicine that we're going to give you is going to kill the baby. Well, the mom said, well, that's not going to happen. And so they started praying. And four times they thought they lost him, that they thought the baby had, had died. And yet both the mom and the baby survived. 
well, we know Tim Tebow, right? Goes to play. He's from my dad's hometown in St. Augustine, Florida. And he goes to play at University of Florida. Leads him to a national championship. Wins a Heisman Trophy. Makes it to the NFL, right? And people said, you can't make it to the NFL the way you throw the football. But there was something different about Tim. And he leads, I think, I forget what their record was. I think they were like one and four or something. And he leads the Denver Broncos to the playoffs. But do you remember what Tim did in that stint in the NFL? He became famous for it. It's why he's in the dictionary, actually. He started a movement called Tebowing. See, Tim Tebow has played on some of the biggest stages, winning a national championship, winning a Heisman Trophy, playing in the NFL. And then he goes on to play professional baseball. And now he's making another run, just switching positions in the NFL. But there's a quote from Tim Tebow that I want to share with you. He says, more than making people happy, I want to make God happy. He said, I always put the Lord first. He said, more than anything, more than asking for wins or losses or any kind of success, I ask God to give me the, the ability to honor him in all that I do. Tim Tebow never tried to be anybody else than a child of God. And we saw it proclaimed in his eye black. I love, you just Google John 3.16, you're gonna find when Tim Tebow put that at the national championship, it was like the most Googled thing. He, he is a messenger for the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he's never tried to be anything else. And so when I think of David putting on that armor, David setting it down, he's saying, listen, I can't do this. If I'm going to face Goliath, I've got to face Goliath with who I am. I've got I, I to face Goliath how God made me. David also understood that this was a process. You know, one of my favorite things in ministry that you'll hear is God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. David had been through a, a, a series of training. We've kind of mentioned this, but in verse 34 of chapter 17, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. You know, push pause for just a second. I remember one time being in the woods and I got chased by a hog. And that hog, if you're ever in this moment, if you just scream like a little girl, they're going to run the other direction. But it was the scariest time of my life. No lie. Scariest time of my life. This hog was like three and a half pounds. She was a sow. And the reason I know how tall, or three, three and a half feet. Did I say pounds? Pay attention. Feet. I had a camera. I had a deer camera. And I could see my... I could walk under my feeder, and I'm 6'6". Six, six. I had about six foot. She came halfway to the deer feeder. She's three and a half feet. And this thing, I came walking out at night. Don't ask me why I'm at an active deer feeder at night. Don't. That's a different sermon. But I come walking right up to it, and this thing, I see eyes looking right at me, and it charges me. And I literally thought I was going to die. I thought, this is how I'm going to heaven. I'm going to be mauled by a three and a half foot brown sow. Well, right as I, I had a ladder, because I had to load the thing, I dropped the ladder, dropped the bag of corn, and I'm just, ah, you know, like one of those things. She gets right up to me and goes, Phew, right, tanks a left. I come back to the car, bees at the car, and I'm white as a ghost. She's like, what's wrong? I'm like, we're going home. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I want you to know, though, the very next week, the very next week, I'm out hunting, and I shot a doe. And that doe went the exact place the, 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 the hog went. 
It took me about an hour to build enough courage to chase that thing wherever that hog went. And here I'm reading. I, let me bring you back now. I'm reading when, the, when there came a lion or a bear and it took the lamb from the flock. I went after him. I had a hard time chasing a, a deer that I shot dead a week after a hog went that way. And this guy's chasing lions and bears. Crazy stuff. Sorry, I digress. Let's get back to it. I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth, and he rose against me. I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go. And the Lord be with you. See, what we're seeing here is David understands all of that time, all of those victories have been building up for this victory. You see, sometimes we don't understand when we're in a difficult spot, this is God training us. This is God building us up for something we don't even have a clue about. Zechariah 13, 9 says this, and I will put this third into the fire and I will refine them as one refined silver and test them as gold is tested. They will call upon my name and I will answer them. I will say, these are my people, and they will say, the Lord is my God. You see, our God is a refiner. And the only way to purify metal is to put it into the fire and allow the dross to come to the top. And when you're working with metal like that, you're going to heat it up, put it into a, a, a very difficult and uncomfortable situation for that metal. But when you do that, it begins to melt and the impurities come to the top. And then the refiner scoops it off. And then you know what it does? It cools it off. And then what it's going to do is going to put it back in the fire. And every time it goes back in the fire, more of the impurities come to the top. Well, let me tell you something. David understood that God had been doing that his whole life. Sitting there, watching the sheep, and a lion gets a hold of it. He said, okay. This is module number one. And next time when the bear gets it, okay, we've moved on to level 13. But he probably had no idea that God was preparing him to face Goliath. Sometimes we need to understand that the things that we walk through is God preparing us. God getting us ready. God removing these impurities out of our life. All right, guys, I... I want to switch over to what I want you to take away, what I'm hoping that listening to this story of David and Goliath, there's a couple things. First, we talked about that David is anointed king of Israel. That's a big deal. But you were chosen to be the carrier of the Holy Spirit. That's an even greater deal. Think about that for just a second. Yes, he was anointed king, but you have Jesus. And this promise of the Holy Spirit that will come inside of you when you confess Him as Lord and Savior, that should change everything. That should change everything. couple promises. Matthew, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. Here's our instructions. Because of this promise, all we need to do is put our eyes on Jesus. Now this particular passage is talking about clothes and food, but God knows you need these things. God knows you, 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 you have things that you, 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 you need. He, he knows you need them. I'm trying to get that out. It's hard. Another one in John, but as many as received him, to them he gave power to become sons of God, 
even to them that believe on his name. A promise is is that God's going to call you son. God's going to call you daughter. This is a promise. Another promise in Romans, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Even though you might be facing a lion right now, you might be facing a bear, all things work to good. Think about David's story. That prepared him for the greatest event in his life. Could you call that the greatest event in his life? I don't know. A major event in his life. All things work to the good for those who are called according to his purpose. Second Corinthians, for all the promises of God in him, in Jesus, are yes and amen to the glory of God through us. There is something so much bigger than our circumstance happening. There's something so much greater than the problems that we face. It's the Jesus inside of us. And Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. David is not the only one with promises. You have promises. And let me tell you something. We need to know them because this is our identity. This should inform our circumstance. Our circumstance should not inform our faith. See, David responded in faith. Church, we need to respond in faith. Can I step on some toes right now? There's too many Bible-believing, church-attending Christians that as soon as trouble shows up, we respond just like the world responds. Instead of calling friends and neighbors and say, hey, let's pray. I just got some bad news, but I'm believing God is bigger and better than this. And, and look, when the, the worst time in a church, and I don't understand why, the worst time in a church, it seems to be, people say that it's that giving time. It's that giving time because that's what churches do. They're always asking for money. You are completely missing out on the blessing of God if you are not faithfully giving. And I'm here to tell you that, not as somebody that I just believe that all my life. It's because y'all know my story. I became a pastor and I thought, well, I better start tithing now. But I had no idea the blessing that would come by trusting God with my finances. And I'm going to tell you, I... I feel like what God has convicted me even through this message is David, in, in, while everybody else is dismayed and fearful, David responds in faith over and over and over again. Maybe you get a call from your boss. You don't get the job that you'd wanted. Maybe you're not getting the promotion. Respond in faith. Maybe you get a pink notice from the HOA that you forgot to pay. It's July. Respond in faith. Maybe, maybe the test results are in. Respond in faith. David never forgot this promise, and David knew that the battle was the Lord's. Listen to me, Christians. We need to understand that the battle is the Lord's. We may be facing a lion, but I promise you, that's just training for the next one. You might be going through a battle right now, but put your faith in Jesus Christ. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. David's circumstance didn't impact his faith. His faith changed his circumstance. I needed to read that because I wanted to make sure I got that right. The third thing is you were made wonderfully you. Do you ever ever sit back and think, man, I wish I was like this person or that person? I'm terrible about that. You know one thing that I don't like about myself? And some of you are going to go, yeah, that's true. I'm a talker. Look, if somebody, I've had people say, hey, can I get your phone number? We'll continue this conversation. And they leave. I'm like, was I talking too much? I will literally talk your ear off. Alec, am I lying? That's who I am. 
If you ask me a question about me, be prepared. Buckle up. <laughs> and I, I literally try, try to tell my wife, I, I will hear people that are so good about asking about other people. I'm like, I should try that. Like, if I get into a conversation with you, Kevin, I need to just ask, how are you doing? Not be waiting, like, hurry up, Kevin, I'm trying to tell you about me. But I've, I've come to the realization that, yes, I need to work on that, but that's also who God made me. You know, I, I grew up, my dad was an army officer. We moved, he was a chaplain, he was a pastor in the army. We moved everywhere. We were telling Jonah about this today. Jonah's like, is it going to be rough for David changing schools? I had to be a talker. You want to know why? Because I, I showed up. I was the new kid every year. I went to four different high schools. But I guarantee you after day one, I had like 10 friends. God has given me the gift to go into any situation and be able to talk to somebody. And I can't tell you, though I have not liked that about myself, it has served me so well in ministry. I promise you, it is difficult when you walk into a hospital room when, when, when the, it's, it's, the, the results are not good. The prognosis is bad. Sometimes you just do need to shut up, Chris. But sometimes they just want to hear somebody say, hey, I, I'm here. Sometimes they just want to hear, hey, let's, let's go to the Word of God together. Sometimes they just need somebody to speak because it's so awkward. But my question to you is, how did God wonderfully make you? You may not be able to sing. You may not be able to get up here and preach. Matt, you said you couldn't, but I'm telling you, you're really good at this. But you know what? You may be the most talented greeter in this whole church. And you may be the one person that somebody is making a decision whether they're going to come into this church or not. Because they're not sure if they can keep going or not. And you might be the warm, welcome smile that says, I can make it one more day. You might be the kids minister. Let me tell you something. I am not built to work with kids. But some of you, like Miss Shirley, where is she? Oh, she's with the kids. She's built to work with kids. She's so good at it. I... I have to tell you, during VBS, I was in one classroom teaching kids. She was in the other classroom teaching kids, and I had to go pick up kids to get them here. And I asked them, I said, hey, what was your favorite part about VBS? And I was hoping they were going to say my class. And they said, Miss Shirley's missions class. It's because she's gifted that way. God made you wonderfully you. David understood this. He wasn't going to try to be somebody else. You don't need to be anybody else other than who God created you to be. Psalm 139, 14 says, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God didn't mess up. God didn't make a mistake. He might have given you a little bit of longer a talk box than most, but he's, he's got a purpose for it. Ephesians 2.10, for, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. You were equipped you have been, God's been working on you. And even today, God is challenging you because he's got good works for you. Alec, do we have places for them to serve here? All right, I'm gonna step on some more toes. Let me tell you something. If you're not serving in the church, you're completely missing out. If you're not engaged in the body of Christ, we're missing the gifts that God gave you in this church. I wanna challenge you 
that this battle with Goliath would not have been won if David didn't show up. He was the runt of the litter. I promise you this church would be better if you served. Because God has given you a certain gift mix that is necessary for the body of Christ. And God has good works. That Christ Jesus, you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God has already prepared beforehand. That we should walk in them. It's not a question of if you should serve. The question you should be asking is, where should I serve? And the last thing is this. Understand your relationship with the Lord is a process. Is a process. Holy cow, look at the time. Why didn't you people tell me? Philippians 1.6 says this, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God was working on David all along. God prepared him the whole time. You see, salvation is a major milestone in your relationship with the Lord. Sanctification is a process. That process is daily we want to be more like Jesus. Daily we want to be more like Jesus. And God's going to teach you. He's going to mold you. He's going to shape you. He's going to put you in the fire. Right? God, why is this happening to me? Because he's bringing those impurities to the top. David understood this. Amen. Would you stand with me? I'm going to ask for our prayer partners to come forward. And you know, I'm guessing the way God works is that there's things that God's already been speaking to your heart. There's something that maybe you're trying to be somebody you're not. Maybe you don't necessarily respond in faith. Maybe you've been encouraged today, like David, that the, the, the battle is the Lord's and it's not yours and you've been trying to fight the battle. While we sing this song, I just want to encourage you, come forward. Let us pray with you. We want to pray with you. We want to pray over you. We want to encourage you and challenge you. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by what you heard today. If you'd like more information about Champion Forest Baptist Church, our service times, or how you can get connected, visit us at championforest.org. Thanks so much. Have a great day, and God bless.